0: okay everybody welcome in it is time for wednesday night bible study here on the deep dive on tim hatch live how you doing let me know in the comments how's your wednesday it's officially hump day getting over the hump hope that this bible study will give you some umph to your hump My name is Tim. This is Tim Hatch Live, and I'm so glad that you're here. We're going to go right back into Romans chapter 8. Let's pray and ask God to be with us before we get to the content. Father, thank you for the chance to hear your word and, and, and study it. And we pray that it'll speak to us and change us and help us to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Book of Romans, let's go. All right, so it is Season 5, Episode 17 of The Deep Dive. Do me a favor, like, share, subscribe, all those wonderful things that helps build the channel and build the audience, and and welcome to everybody. It is um, a privilege to bring this content to you, and I and I hope that you're getting something out of it, and I hope that you're continuing to grow in Christ. Ultimately, that's what we do this uh, material for. If you don't grow, there's no point to it, <laughs> but I've been growing as we've been studying Romans Chapter 8, and... Uh, Romans, and now we're in Romans chapter 8. And it is, if you remember, the greatest chapter in the Bible by every estimation. In my opinion, it teaches you how to walk with Christ, the joy of the Holy Spirit in your life, the hope that we have, the confidence and the assurance that we have that we are in Christ Jesus. Let me pop this back up before we go further. The outline. So we talked last time we were together about the victorious life made possible by the Spirit today we're going to dig into verse 12 our status as adopted children of god and heirs with christ and then we're going to just slide a little bit into that into that third section beginning with verse 18 not going to get very far into it but i think those two segments tie together nicely and we're going to discuss why and how that works together so with all that said let's get into the text and talk about what it meant <laughs> Take out your Bibles, Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 12. Here's what Paul says. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, right off the bat, Paul wants to make sure that we understand that we are indebted to someone, but we are not indebted to the flesh. Now, another word for debtors here is we have an obligation. We have an obligation. Uh, But our obligation is not to the flesh, okay, because that's going to lead to death, but to the Spirit. The Spirit brings us life, and it's really important that you get this. You have been changed as a Christian from someone who was a slave to your flesh, a slave to your body, into someone who is now indebted or obligated or a slave to God. We are obligated to follow the leading of the Spirit. That's really what he's saying here. And he's talking again about that wrestling. Remember Romans chapter seven, I'm wrestling. I do the things I don't wanna do. I do the things that I hate and I hate what I do and I wanna do good, but evil's right there with me. Who will save me from this body of death? Well, the spirit is alive and active. Remember the spirit is mentioned 21 or 20 times in Romans eight alone. Outside of Romans 8, it's only mentioned, I think, 10 times in the entire book of Romans. So that's important to understand that what Paul is talking about is the role of the Holy Spirit in helping us defeat sin in our life and walk humbly and boldly and victoriously with God. Now, we have an obligation. The Holy Spirit produces in us an obligation to believe, to walk with and follow God. Because here's why. The Holy Spirit is what brought us to the conviction of sin. Before we were Christians, you got to understand that the Holy Spirit was already active in you before you came to Christ. I bring you to Acts chapter 16, Lydia, again and again, because Lydia, the Bible says the the, the spirit, the Lord opened her heart to receive the message that was spoken by Paul. And then she received and she believed. Okay. The spirit operates upon the human heart. We call that regeneration. The spirit converts the human heart. We call that repentance. And then the spirit brings the human heart forward. Uh, upon justification into sanctification. That means not guilty, no condemnation, Romans 8.1, into transformation, sanctification, that is Romans 8.2 and beyond. So the Holy Spirit, listen, this is the great thing. The Holy Spirit that brought us to Christ is not going to leave us alone in trying to obey Christ. Isn't that good? But let me put it another way. The Holy Spirit does not work in you to accept Christ and then leave you to yourself to try and obey Christ. No, the Holy Spirit is at work in you right now, obligating you to serve Christ. Look, these are statements of fact. So then brothers, we are, he doesn't say, please be obligated to the Holy Spirit. No, we are obligated to the Spirit. And this is important for all of us in our fight, in our walk with Christ. Okay. Um, here's what he says to the galatians same same author paul different audience he says oh foolish galatians who has bewitched you it was before your eyes that jesus christ was publicly portrayed as crucified let me ask you only this did you receive the spirit now notice the line by works of the law in other words being trying your best trying to you know be a good person pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and changing your behavior. No, no. You didn't receive the spirit by doing your best. You received the spirit by hearing with faith. You believed the message of the gospel. And then he says this very piercing phrase, are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh? Now they, the Galatians, were trying to serve the law plus Christ. That was their problems. Plus Christ. I butchered that. Sorry. They were trying to serve the law plus Jesus, and the law plus Jesus does not save. Only Jesus saves. Only salvation by grace through faith. And he is trying to point them back to the spirit who brought them to Christ is the one who's going to complete them in Christ. Now, let me put it up, our, our little Christian stick figure up here on the screen again. Here he is as a representation of what we experience. Again, the Spirit comes in, enlivens our hearts, quickens our hearts to receive the message, believe the gospel. A- apart from an intervention of the Holy Spirit, all mankind is hopelessly lost. So now that's you at salvation. This is you at transformation or glorification. Who is involved in this process? And if your answer is effort or your answer is um, Oh, you could put anything, you know, personal disciplines, uh, or you could put in, again, butchering the words, guys. I'm sorry about this. Disciplines. There we go. Um, Habits, you know, uh, I'm just going to go to church more and I'm going to read my Bible more. You know, those things are all important and those things, the Holy Spirit produces a desire for those things. But listen, apart from the Holy Spirit, we are just turning into a different law. See this... This is just another law. This is your law, right? Your Christian law. So I'm not going to watch certain television shows. I'm going to read my Bible more. Again, look, some television shows are garbage. You should walk away from them. But the point is, is that that doesn't actually bring transformation, it is the Spirit. It is the Spirit. For if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And back to Romans chapter 8, verse 13. That's exactly what he says. The Holy Spirit is at work to put to death Okay, the deeds of the body, the sins of the body. And the word put to death, by the way, in the Greek is one word. It is thanato, and it means in present tense to put to death. So it is a continual action. This is why Paul will say in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. Now, some of you are like, great to know what to do because you just told me that not going, you know, going to church and habits and all those things don't help. Okay, well, they do help. But don't turn them into law like this magic wand that you wave and then suddenly, you know, bad things in your life disappear. No, 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 no. There is some there is a a work of the spirit available to you through Jesus Christ inside of you to help put to death the misdeeds of the body. And there is a phrase, there is a word from Jesus in John chapter 16 that reminds us what the Spirit does in us and for us. Let me bring you there, John chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare to you. Now, this is incredible right here. These are the promises for the christian from jesus christ himself what does the spirit do first he speaks he talks to you it is not for the christian is not the conscience It's not a little angel on your shoulder like in the tom and jerry cartoons the spirit is speaking to you what the father has told him to tell you and he is declaring to you things that are to come he's going to point you to the future point to you point you to heaven point you to the age to come point you to Things beyond this age, which Paul will get to you back in Romans 8. We'll get there in a moment. But notice verse 14. He will glorify who? He will glorify Jesus. This is probably the key phrase of this text. That's what the Spirit is at work doing. The Spirit right now is at work in you, making Jesus glorious. Making Jesus attractive. Making Jesus the most important person in your life. This is why Jesus, when he enters into your life, and you had close relationships with unbelieving friends before, you no longer have close re- believe, you no have you no longer have close relationships with them anymore, or close unbelieving. Uh, family members, and you became a Christian, and and now those family members are estranged from you because Jesus has been glorified in your life through the Holy Spirit. That is the experience of every true born-again believer. Jesus Christ is glorified in my life. He's magnified. He's Greater than anything. I've, if I have Christ, I have everything. That's what Paul says. Look, like, I don't care what happens to me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He says, "I'd rather depart and go and be with Christ." He says, "I, I to the, to the Christian, C- Corinthians." He says, "I resolve to know nothing among you except Christ and Him glorify He says, "Look, all I need is food and clothing and Jesus. That's all I really need, because that's what the Holy Spirit in your life does." There are there is way too much emphasis in the church on what the spirit empowers us to do and not enough emphasis on who the spirit empowers us to see. By the way, that's tweetable. There's way too much emphasis in the church on what the spirit empowers us to do and not enough emphasis in the church on what the spirit empowers us to see. The spirit comes in and J.I. Packer says it like this, the spirit comes in like a floodlight. He's a floodlight and he shines on us. The, the light of Jesus. And J.I. Packer says it like this, a floodlight is doing its job when you see everything else other than the light. And that's what the spirit does. There are a lot of Christians, they worship the gifts of the spirit. And I don't mean that they sit there and they bow and they worship them, but you know what I mean? They put too much weight, too much value on the gifts. No, I don't deny the gifts and we don't want to deny or stop or impede the gifts, but we want to be careful that we don't put the floodlight on the gifts and not on the person of Christ because the the gifts were all resident in Christ through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and empowered him to do the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So too the Holy Spirit uh, shines on us, turning us more and more into Christ, uh, extolling Christ. We long to be like Christ and then do the works of the Holy Spirit in the power of the name of Christ. This is why you cannot change apart from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit makes Christ glorious and illuminates who you should be and how you should listen to the Lord. Okay. Going verse, uh, forward in verse 14, he says, for all who are led by keyword here, the spirit of God are sons of God or daughters of God. Now this is a general qualifier. Led means to be under the dominating influence of the Holy Spirit. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who is under the dominating influence of the Holy Spirit. The light is on. The flood is shining. It's illuminating on us who Jesus is and and how much we are not like him, but at the same time, how much we want to become more like him. And And then identity, sonship or daughtership, if you will. Child of God. That's who you are. And the Spirit is at work making this a reality in your life. These are imperatives to believe these are indicatives to believe so that imperatives follow let me let me say that again these are indicatives to believe so that imperatives follow one preacher said it like this the holy spirit is like the automatic transmission in a car compared to the standard transmission think about a standard transmission what do you got to do you got to shift you got to well first you got to put the clutch in then you got to you know navigate the clutch and gas levels you got to shift and then moderate out of the uh, clutch into the gas shift 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 it's and, and it's a lot of work it's two feet it's two hands and you're just like you know and here's the thing about it it's the standard the standard transmission in a car is just like the works of the flesh and here's how I know. Do, do you know anyone or maybe you are someone who loves to brag about the fact that they can drive standard so well, like they're like I am the best standard driver ever. I can totally drive standard and they never stop bragging about how great they are at standard because it's all about them. Because they've they've made their ability to drive the car the most important thing about them. Nobody ever brags about having an auto, you know, driving an automatic transmission well. Man, I really floored that automatic transmission. Nobody ever does that. Why? Because The automatic transmission is taking care of itself. You put the gas on, you can drive an automatic with one hand, one foot, and it just does the work for you. The spirit is like the automatic transmission of your Christian life. It is less about your effort and more about you relying on him to do what he's supposed to do. You got to press the gas. You got to keep your hand on the wheel. There are things for you to do. Put to death the misdeeds of the body by the power of the Holy Spirit, but not by your own works. So you've got to shift and drive and let the spirit change you from one degree of glory to the next. Verse 15, Paul says, for you did not receive the spirit of jealousy, oh, oh, sorry, slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Okay, first thing that we got to see here is to understand the work of the spirit in our lives is to remember that he eliminates fear of God, that we have intimacy with The Lord, Abba, Father. The word Abba is the Aramaic term for uh, daddy. And it really means that there is an incredible amount of intimacy between you and the Father. The Spirit does not produce fear of God in in the sense of, oh my gosh, I'm afraid of what God is going to do to me it creates intimacy. It draws me closer. As Jesus even used Abba when he referred to the Father, Mark 14, 36, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. So the intimacy as he was going to the cross was still there with Jesus. And I, I imagine as he's going to the cross and he's going to be separated from God on the cross for that moment, that he needed that intimacy in that moment. Okay. When we are tempted, when we are fighting sin, when we have sinned, the answer is not to run away and distance ourselves from God. The answer is to draw close and create intimacy with God. Father, I have sinned. Father, I have done what is evil. Help me to put to death this deed of the body. I am not relying on my own strength. I am not I am not taking over the shifting of the gears. I need you to do this in me. And I, by the Holy Spirit, put to death the misdeeds of the body now in Jesus' name. That is what the, the, the Holy Spirit comes and does. He creates intimacy. He draws us closer to the Father. Even after sin, even after failure, we draw close. Because we don't have a spirit of fear anymore. We have the spirit of sonship or daughtership. <laughs> Verse 16, he says this, for the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So now we've got this resident witness in our bodies reminding us, that we are the children of God. And if we are children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we're gonna to get to suffering in just a moment, but what he's talking about here is that being adopted means that we have all the privileges, rights, and responsibilities that Christ has with the Father. Um, the, the word adoption that Paul uses here regarding who we are in Christ, not in this passage, but uh, in other passages of Romans. You have to understand adoption, not in the modern American version, but in the Roman ancient version, Roman adoption was permanent. It was typically a a man who would adopt a grown man, maybe a servant or a slave in his house, and he would turn him into a son. And that was an irrevocable agreement. It was an irrevocable agreement. And forever that child, that man was now uh, deemed the owner of the estate as an heir of the man who adopted him. There was no renouncing the adoption. This is powerful for us. To understand that this is the terminology that Paul chooses to use to illustrate our relationship to God is powerful. It provides assurance. It provides confidence to know that we have in Christ Jesus all the rights, privileges, responsibilities, and power available to Jesus Christ himself did. This is incredible to know. The picture is of a a child thinking about this or a slave with no rights in the Roman world, no opportunities, no property, no power, no standing in society. And a man with the means and ability comes and takes him and says, I am writing you into my life. You are now part of my family and no one can ever break that bond. And what is mine is yours. And, and, and now you are my child. That is who you are in God, the father and the Holy spirit's work guys, in our fighting against sin. Because remember, this is all in the fight with the flesh based off of Romans 7, right? We are being reminded through the Holy Spirit. So not just led, okay, but we are being reminded, not just led to intimacy, right? Led to intimacy, let me just put these up there. I'm going to summarize these in just a moment. But now, sonship. Uh, what would you call it? Yeah, sonship. We have the Holy Spirit working in us to create these realities as assurances that we are not alone in this battle. Let me sum it up now with the difference between sin and God here on the screen. Sin abducts, makes us a slave, creates fear, casts division, brings death. God does the exact opposite of all those things. God adopts, he makes us his children, He creates trust. He draws us close and produces life. That's what Paul has done for us so far. Some of you need to just screenshot that right there and just keep that somewhere because you have to remember that when we sin, we are feeding into our minds and spirits this idea that we are slaves. We are, uh, you know, we should run from God and then division. How about that right now for um, our current context? Not just division between us and God, but division between man and man and then ultimately death, but God does the exact opposite and adopts us as his children to create trust, bring us close, and bring life to our mortal bodies. Verse 18, here's what he says. For I consider that the sufferings, back to the sufferings now, of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Okay, so Paul does something here. He's he's doing a a compare-contrast moment here, and what is he saying? He's saying that the sufferings that we go through now are not worth comparing with the glory that shall be revealed. Now, a lot of preachers break up between verse 17 and 18, and I don't. I go right from verse 17 right into verse 18 because I believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in the midst of sufferings to help us understand that we are no longer tied to this present age. And I would like to suggest to you that suffering is inevitable for every child of God. Suffering meaning some manner of physical problems, some manner of emotional problems, some manner of relational problems with everything that is anchored in this present earth. To be a Christian is to suffer. To be a Christian is to suffer. That's exactly what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12. What does he say? Indeed all, and that is as uh, inclusive as it gets, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. While evil people and, apost- and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. There's, there's no stopping the fact that you're going to suffer, you're going to struggle in your life as you follow Christ as the Spirit leads you. Christian, if you are comfy in this culture, <laughs> check out whether or not you're a Christian. Like if you're happy with where the world is and where your life is and how, you know, people treat you and you get along with everybody, check yourself, okay? Because there might be a disconnect that you're not previously aware of between you and the Lord. We are going to suffer all, all who desire to live a godly life are going to be hated, are going to be despised, are going to bear witness, not just that they are children of God, but also bear witness that they are no longer part of this world. That's really what he's saying. Um, Let me put it like this up on the screen. The people of the next age of glory will be despised by those tied to the present age of decay. So you're not meant for this age. Your heart, as Paul has already said, is drawing you toward, or Jesus said in John 16, telling you of things to come. This Holy Spirit is bearing witness in your body right now. You're a child of God. You have intimacy with God. Oh, and by the way, you're going to heaven. You're going into glory. There's no darkness ahead. There's only light, right? This is, by the way, why the church regularly sings about the end times, the end, the glorification of the saints, our blessed hope, as we like to call it. And I would like to say one thing, a little corrective of the present modern worship movement, We unfortunately have adopted too much pop, um, pop music, pop, modern love song uh, mantras into our modern worship lyrics. Jesus is our lover. Jesus is with us through the darkness. Jesus is close and intimate. Those are all true. Those are all true, but drawing us forward, worship in the modern move I'd love to see this happen in churches today move us beyond the present struggle and into the age remind us that glory is coming remind us that heaven is on the way there there is a little bit of a shift now in some of the modern music, but it had been so tied to just Jesus is in love with me and I'm in love with him and we're all in this together. We're in it, he's gonna help me. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 let's think about the fact that the age to come, and I think that the reason why we sing too much about right now is because right now is way too comfortable for Christians. See, in the in the early church, right now is totally not comfortable. But in the modern church, we can be pretty much comfortable as Christians in our modern age. Although we can see the signs, and if you watch the Deep End episodes, you can see the signs of encroaching persecution coming upon Christians in the West, and it's going to really start to cost us to follow Jesus in this culture. And that might be a good thing because it might do wonderful things for us in divorcing us from this present age of decay and and bringing us to love and desire and, and long for the age of glory that is yet to come. And that's why I believe that Romans 8.17 is tied right to Romans 8.18. Now let's pick it up on Romans eight. 19 here's what he says for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the the freedom of the glory of the children of God that's a mouthful let me sum it up creation's broken we all know this even non-believers know this it is broken subject to futility or wastefulness subject to decay. Okay. You leave anything alone and it decays, not because of its choice, but because of him who subjected it. Who is that? That is Adam. Adam sinned and brought decay upon the earth. Remember one of the curses of sin that God pronounces upon Adam is thorns and thistles shall the earth bear for you. And by the sweat of your brow, it shall, you shall work the ground. So this frustration with work, this, you know, every, Springtime is coming up in in the northern part of the country, and, and and what is it time to do? It's time to once again clean out the yard, and you know, brush away the salt from the from the driveway, and uh, replant flowers, and get your oh mulch. Another bed of, well, another covering of mulch because winter brought decay, right? It is a constant reminder that the world is broken and is subject to decay. And then you've got earthquakes and tornadoes and tsunamis and, you know, tidal waves and countless others, natural disasters reminding us that the creation is not as it should be. And, and there is, and Paul is making this clear, there is no hope to change that reality in the world outside the redemptive future that Christ alone offers let's go on to get there verse 22 he says for we know that the whole creation has been groaning that is earthquakes tidal waves all those kind of things together in the pains of childbirth until now and not only the creation but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan where inwardly as we eagerly wait eagerly for adoption as sons and now he's making a clarifier here because we're adopted in the spirit but now he's talking about adoption in our bodies and these, this is what theologians call the um, the now and not yet reality of our faith the the present or I think it's actually present. Let's let me put that there too, just in case. The present and not yet reality of the Christian faith that that we are now okay groaning. Together in the pains of childbirth with creation, that's what he says here, okay, not only creation, but we ourselves, we are groaning as we wait for the, adoption, the redemption of our body. So, <laughs> bad news, not only is the creation de- deteriorating, but your body is and I can I can attest to this as a 45-year-old man because I can see that every morning I wake up with a different pain. And I'm like, why? Why, Lord? This really stinks. I love to play tennis. I have this horrible pain in my ankle right now. It will not go away. Anytime I play tennis, a big, puffy swelling happens. I... um I fell on the road the other day and I got this huge scrape on my leg and it just feels a lot more painful than when I used to do that when I was a teenager, right? And and then of course, the normal shape of your body, it it tends to gravitationally go downward right everything goes downward even the hair on your head starts to migrate south it's like all right I'm done working for you I'm going to go down south for the summer and I'm going to go down south and retire and so hair. I always say this to my church hair doesn't you don't lose hair it just migrates south it goes from your head to your back to your elbows to everywhere else. You're like, your ears, your nose, get back up where you came from because that is that is the groaning of your body, you're the, 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 the corruption, the, 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 the deterioration of your body, and you're inwardly groaning, saying, this is horrible. You are longing for the life to come. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even unsaved people have a residue of this desire in them. That is why so many of the Hollywood actors Who Fornicate for money on film Then talk about the need to address climate change Like that is their moral imperative They're literally cheating on their spouses On film for money And popularity and notoriety They're literally committing adultery on film And getting awards for it And then turn and say Well this is a righteous moral imperative to kick care of the earth and, and you know what? They're not wrong about taking care of it. We should take care of the earth. We should steward the earth. But the fact of the matter is, is that the earth is going to be ultimately destroyed by fire. First Peter, second Peter talks about that. There's a fire coming to cleanse and purify the earth once and for all, and everything will be wiped out in an instant. The heavens will disappear in a flash, the Bible says. So it is a moral imperative in them because they know, or because they have, they don't know, they have a residue of desire. To see, the, to see the next age come, but they want to produce this, the next age in this age. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Christ is going to come and f- once and for all finally bring in or inaugurate the next age into, and, and I'm sorry, bring an end to this age and inaugurate the next age for those who are the sons of God. And we will have, as he says here, the redemption of our bodies. And that perhaps only becomes more and more of a blessed hope the older and older that you get. See, younger Christians, you don't get it there yet because you know, you're in your 20s. You're still in the prime of life. You're thinking, okay, I'm looking good right now. I, you know, My body feels fit. I'm, I, I have a lot of energy. Okay, you just give it a couple decades. You'll get there. You'll get to that point where you're like, okay, I could use a new body. And everybody gets there. Everyone gets there. And if you haven't gotten there, just give it time. You'll get there. Okay, anyway, going on because we've got to cover a lot today. Verse 24, he says, for in this hope, we were saved. For in this hope, we have hope. We are saved into hope. For hope, now hope that is seen is not hope. In other words, we don't see what is yet to come. We hope for what we do not see. For who hopes for what he sees, he says. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And that is perhaps the key uh, virtue of Romans chapter eight is patience. Like for some of you, you're not where you want to be relationally, Habitually in life with God, you're just not there yet. Well, you're gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to be patient. The Holy Spirit is working on you, bringing you into a desire for the future, bringing you into a separation from this age. And I believe this. I think that I think it's a testimony to the Christians' walk. Is that the older and older you get, uh, the less uh, connected you are to the things of this earth? It's just after a while, just you, you lose the flavor for the things of this earth. After a while, you lose the flavor for the lust of the flesh the 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 lust of the eyes the the desires for this present age it just loses its luster and that my friends is the hope that we have in Christ Jesus so summing this up and and I want to build on last week's talk on what the Holy Spirit provides in what it meant in the what it meant segment remember I said previously that the holy spirit provides three things assurance of justification no condemnation power and desire to obey there is a working the spirit that we want to obey christ and we have the power to obey christ and then in dwelling resurrection we have that same spirit that dwells in us and it will bring our mortal bodies to life let's add to it now based on the text that we just studied We also have leadership and transformation. We are led by the Spirit to put to death the misdeeds of the body. We have intimacy with the Father. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. And then we have a desire for glorification. We have this, the Holy Spirit resident in us is drawing us like a magnetic pull, drawing us into the age that is to come. And those things are now ours in Christ Jesus through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. Let's get into uh, what it means. here's what it means. Summing it up, the Holy Spirit creates in us a set of internal obligations. We have an obligation, not to the flesh, but to the spirit. And um, I want to just say that all the obligations the Holy Spirit produces in us are tremendous. Let's let's bring it all together. Verse 13, we have an obligation to put to death the body, put to death the deeds, I should say deeds, sorry, put to death the deeds of the body. Okay, so some of you're like, "Well, how do I do that?" Now, you're talking about, uh, you know, putting to death the misdeeds of the body. The best way to put to death the misdeeds of the body is to talk to your whole to talk to God and ask for the Holy Spirit to help you hate sin, to help you reject sin, to empower you and to be honest with God and to say, "Father, my flesh wants this, and I know I want it, and I left to myself I'm going to choose it in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Put that to death to me." Give me a new desire. You know, the, the, uh, the old uh, theologian, the, the, the effusive power of better affections. I butchered the title. I'm sorry, but it's another title of another great book from um, olden times in, in theology. The effusive power of better affections. I think that's what it is. I'm sorry. Anyway, that you replace the affections for sin with the affections for God. God, I'm asking that what you want Comes alive in me, and what I want is put to death by what you want. Put to death the mystery. the uh, The Holy Spirit is going to bring you to that place. Number two, uh, the Holy Spirit is obligating us to have uh, the primary influence on us. That that we are we feel like the Holy Spirit should have control. Uh, thirdly, the Holy Spirit draws us near in intimacy with the Father. That's the third obligation that the Spirit produces in us. Fourth. Too long for heaven through the sorrows of of earth. We're going to sorrow. We're going to struggle. This is the present time that we're in, and it's going to be tough. But it's not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. By the way, all of these are powerful obligations. We'll get to that in just a moment. And then verse twenty-four to twenty-five: a model. We are we are obligated to model hope for that which lay beyond this age. Again. These are all great obligations. So when we uh, rely on, depend on, and have the Holy Spirit living in us, these are realities, these are desires, these are obligations that we feel compelled to these things, and the world looks at us and they see something different. They see a desire that they don't have. They see um, people that still struggle, (laughs) but people that still walk in this positive atmosphere, a positive attitude. By the way, let me just point out that. Let me just touch on that for a moment. If your Christian faith is not producing a positivity in you, you've got to you've got to dive deeper into the scriptures. That's the deep dive. You've got to dive deeper into the scriptures. You've got to spend more time knowing what he has said, longing for what he has said, feeding yourself the bread of life. Because I find in my walk way too many pessimistic Christians. They, they just don't have an attitude of optimism. And it's, maybe it's because you're too, d- you're too directed toward this decaying age. Like you should turn on the news and see decay. The reason why I do the deep end is to show you the news, the decay of the world, so that you can understand what's going on out there, so that you long for what's going to go on up there. So You've got to long for the things of God and you've also got to realize that these things that you could give yourself to in this present evil age are just death and despair and decay. And Holy Spirit does not produce a longing or an obligation to that. He produces a longing and obligation to the goodness of God, the future of God. I, I believe and therefore I declare, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, the psalmist said. Okay, Paul, again, in Galatians, same author, different audience, but he says, I say, verse 16, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Okay. Why do I share this big, long text with you? Because here's what Paul does, a brilliant move. First, you have to identify the, the desires of the flesh, right? So, cause look what he says in verse 19, now the works of the flesh. And I find that in our present age of Christianity, modern church movements, no one wants to talk about these things anymore. <sighs> Far too much preaching is about how you can be awesome in Jesus. And not enough preaching is there are some things that your flesh wants and you need to crucify that. You need to put that to death through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the first step is identify what the flesh wants. Identify. So what does the flesh want? The flesh wants. What does the flesh want? (laughs) It wants sexual immorality. It wants sex outside of a marriage between a man and woman. It wants impurity. That's anything that is vulgar, gross, disgusting. Sensuality. It wants idolatry. It wants to make something in the place of God. Sorcery. It wants this mystical, magical reality of life. That's tarot card reading. That's, you know, getting your palm read. That's, you know, any number of measures like new age, Crystals and candles and all that kind of stuff. Um, enmity, that's just you have this divisive attitude towards someone. strife, pretty self explanatory. Jealousy, I think we all know what that is. Fits of anger, we know what that is as well. Rivalries, this is some people you're just gonna go after. This is based on um, uh, covetousness. You just wanna be better than them. You don't actually want the thing, you just wanna be better than the person that has the thing. I mean, that's just the work of the flesh. Dissensions, that's you have a complete separation from someone or some group of people and then divisions. that's racism that's hatred of others right envy drunkenness orgy i mean we don't have to really divulge what all of these are but we have to identify them so that when we see them in our lives we put them to death because we belong to jesus we crucify the flesh with his passions and desires how walk by the spirit that's the key walk so i say walk by the spirit and these things will be put to death. Okay. So pass. What do you mean? Walk. Think about it. walking two, 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 two legs and you depend on them, right? It's hard to illustrate this because most of us who are watching this right now, I'm sure all of us <laughs> are very good at walking, you know, provided that you're not handicapped. So you understand walking so well that you do it without thinking, but really I mean, if we could go back when we were babies, we had to learn how to depend on one leg and then depend on the other leg and then swing over and swing over and swing over. And, I mean, you think about that. It's a huge step. Anybody who's had kids knows what a huge moment it is. Huge step, pun intended. To, to go for your first step and then your second step and your third, and you start to get the hang of it. Well, a Christian has to learn to depend on two legs the Word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit. Now, the Spirit wrote the Word through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, all all scriptures God breathed, that's 2 Timothy 3.16. God wrote the scriptures through the Spirit, inspired in the lives of his men who he chose to write the scriptures, and then the Spirit comes along and interprets those scriptures, reminds us of those scriptures, enforces those scriptures, and then um, teaches us all those scriptures and glorifies Christ through the scriptures so that we take a step, word and the Spirit word and the spirit and you know what it's okay to stumble it's okay to stumble because you know what everybody trips like i said i fell last week everybody trips everybody scrapes themselves but you know what get back up and get back on that walking mentality walk by the spirit grant osborne says it very nicely he says the christian grows in holiness and defeats sin only when following the spirit's leading and depending on the spirit's empowering that's how we grow in holiness and that's how we defeat sin not by our habits, although our habits can be helpful, not by our, you know, self-imposed laws, because you know what? We break the law. A law only creates opportunity to break it. (laughs) We've got to depend. We've got to follow. As the Spirit makes Jesus more glorious, we long for Jesus to walk and talk like Him. Let's talk about why it matters. Here's why it matters, and this is a big one. Okay, are you guys ready? Because I told you last week we're going to get to this. These are the imperatives now. Christianity is not a set of passive beliefs. Christianity is not a set of passive beliefs. Knowing Christ as Savior leads to loving and following Christ as Lord and Master. Loving Christ or knowing Christ as Savior leads to loving Christ and following Christ as Lord and Master. You, You can't be passive. There is something for you to do. And something for you to do is to let the Holy Spirit rule and reign in your life so that you do and become more like Jesus Christ. There was a book by Wilbur Reese uh, published in 1971. It was called $3 Worth of God, and it has a fabulous quote. And unfortunately, this quote is very um, emblematic of many, many Christians in today's churches. Here's what he says. I would like $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to disturb me. Not so much of him that I would change how I live. Not so, much that I have a, not, not so much that I have to love a person of another color or pick beats with immigrants or change the way in which I use my body. I want happiness, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not the new birth. Just a pound of the eternal in a brown paper bag, please. <laughs> I just want to leave that on the screen. I, I love that quote. Because unfortunately, much of modern Christianity, and I think historical Christianity, there's always been a great number of professing Christians who live here. I don't want the whole thing. I just want $3 worth of God. Give me just enough that I will feel better and I'll, I'll be happier and life will be warm and more pleasant. That's really that. That's really all I'm interested in. I don't want to change. Okay. That is not Christianity. (laughs) Christianity creates new people. How? Through the Holy spirit. Let me put this on the screen. The Spirit's work creates the intimate bond with God necessary to defeat sin and experience the life of Christ in you and through you. I want to illustrate this from the perspective of a married man. And if you're not married, I'm sure that there's a relationship that's close enough to you that you can make this the the parallel argument. The person that I am is not the person who met Cheryl, my wife. The person who met Cheryl was a completely different person. But what happened was we got married, we got intimate, and intimacy is not just sex. Intimacy is you are there with each other, talking to each other, facing each other, accountable to each other, um, conforming to each other. Right? What does what does God say? This is why, by the way, marriage is the great illustrator of Christ in the church because in Genesis chapter two, I think it's twenty-four, He says the two shall be, that the two shall become one. Right. A man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. So they were two, they become, and the key word is become. Because marriage is a lot like this. It's not, okay, we're married. No, marriage is like this. Okay, this is the day of our vows, but then this is how life will start to shape us, and we will actually start to fold in on one another through the work of the Holy Spirit. I would like to submit, too, that if you don't have the Holy Spirit at work in both of you, this is impossible. I don't know how unbelievers stay married because marriage is that difficult. It's going to challenge you that much. It's going to change you that much that unless you are willing to fold in on someone, change who you are to become someone new, marriage is impossible. And it's the Holy spirit that works in you to change and become a different person than you were when you met the person that you're married to. I say all that to say this. Only through the bond of intimacy do we become more like the person we are intimate with. And the Spirit's work, bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, um, groaning within us for the next life to come, leading us, putting to death the deeds of the body, hating sin, that, that is the marital process between the church and Christ wherein the church folds in on Jesus. He doesn't change because he's perfect. We fold in on Jesus and become more and more one with him. So in your fight with sin, some hope, you have the spirit of God in you. You are led by the spirit. You can win and defeat indwelling sin. What Paul says in Romans chapter seven, verse 25, I haven't gone to the Bible cam today. Let's go back to it. I feel like I've ignored the Bible cam and the Bible cam is kind of mad at me. (laughs) what does he say? Verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Um, We are delivered from the body of death through the Spirit. We put to death the misdeeds of the body by the Spirit, uh, and we have the obligation, the debt to the Spirit, to live according to the Spirit, to follow the Spirit of God, to know who we are in the Spirit. And Understand that all that is Christ is ours by the Spirit and all the suffering and all the strife that it it will uh, incur upon our lives is not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed and we long for the redemption of our bodies which brings me back to our points suffering is the process of refining and preparing and the future is brighter than you can imagine that's why this matters that's why the Holy Spirit at work in you is the only answer to what's wrong with you. Ooh, that's tweetable too. The Holy Spirit at work in you is the only answer to what's wrong with you. Not changing your diet, although some people should change their diet. (laughs) Uh, Not changing your friends, not changing your environment, not changing, you know what I'm saying? Don't Don't put laws in the place where the Spirit belongs. The Spirit is the only power to transform. Now, the Spirit might lead you to change relationships. The Spirit might lead you to change environments. The Spirit might lead you to change habits. That's not bad. I believe that one of the best habits you can have is to wake up first thing in the morning and put the Word of God in your life. Because this brings power to the inner man, to the Spirit. Does that work in you? But at the same time, you can read this Word without the Spirit and not have any change. Understand it is the spirit that quickens your body to receive this word, to inhabit this word and to, re- and to rejoice in this word and love this word. And it teaches you once again, as we said a couple of weeks ago, we said last week and say it again, the greatest benefit to our struggle with sin is to teach us to rely more and more on God and less and less on ourselves. If I could leave you with one thing, I would leave you with this, that you need to learn every day more and more how to walk closely with the holy spirit at work in your life and you got to talk to him and you have to talk to the father and you have to draw near through the holy spirit that is at work in you and long for the things that are and understand that you are different and disconnected from this age and you are tied to the age to come and those things matter and those things shape who you are that's the episode like share subscribe do all those things that help out the channel I'm so glad that you were here and I look forward to seeing you guys on Tuesday night for the deep end. Got a special, got a special interview. I'm bringing back my daughter for the deep end this week. Uh, Some of you have really appreciated her contribution from the last time. She's coming back for the conversation again, and she's got a special conversation for some stuff happening in uh, colleges today. So I'm excited to bring that content to you again, Tuesday night, 730. Don't miss it on the deep end. But other than that, it's been a wonderful privilege. I pray that the Holy Spirit will empower you in your walk with Christ. May God bless you.